Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. these matches are going to be flown at different times. They are not simultaneous. And we don't have to do each match in sequence. We can cut back and forth between them. But uh, the first thing that we do before we do any match games is play out the opening moves. The setup. The rival team. How are the rivals feeling and looking for as the first matchup is about to begin? I think uh, I, I want everybody who's like playing one of the rivals to like, as you, their birds are like seated on the uh, perches uh, ready to launch. I just want a description of like what their facial expressions are like, what their thing is. Remember, these are extreme teens who like being extreme, but they're dressed prep. Let's start with Darius. Uh, Darius has a not a field doctor. Uh, his his physical therapist is there with him and currently <laughs> helping him stretch his arms. And he, he looks intense. He's staring at the pitch very intently while this physical therapist is like wiggling his arms around. <laughs> Let's cut to Torikoshi on the other side. You staring down Darius. Uh, we see Torikoshi on the other side uh, next to his bird ready to go up. Um, before we saw him like tapping that arrow back and forth and like all this nervous energy, he's very, very calm. We see him take a deep breath in and out. He does a double check to make sure that he's got all of his equipment, which is his quiver, uh, his bow, and he's got like a, a single edged short sword, like across his back. Uh, and, uh, he turns... And he looks over to see Darius and kind of cocks his head to the side to kind of like, who's that with him? Is that... Okay. He's stretching. But he doesn't take long to look at it because he turns around and looks into the stadium and looks for Grandmother to make sure that she's here and that she's watching. She's here and and is indeed watching, um, I I will say. And when they make eye contact, there is a slight, there's a slight nod bow to each other. And he turns around and goes, let's do this. Now, I would love Rebecca, describe how, like, like cutting to, like, this is a quick flash of that moment. Uh, I think the screen splits into thirds and, like, Rebecca's, uh, Rebecca versus Braith, like, pops up large. What does Rebecca look like right before her match? Um, I'm going to say Rebecca has a swan. We don't need. I to thought we said it. their whole team had gyre falcons. That's right. They all have gyre falcons. Never mind. Interesting. They like match. This yeah. Tengu Dory is going to be wild. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, 
yeah. Uh, uh, please describe how Rebecca looks as in this face-off. Rebecca is ready to go. She is uh, in position, mounted on her gyro falcon, um, who looks very much like the other gyro falcons of her team. Um, and her 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 uniform is pressed. Her armor is ready. She looks like fresh out of the box. Like everything looks brand new on her. Brand new. Like it's never been worn. It's never been used. It's never taken a hit. It's never ripped or torn or anything. And she is currently, um, she is currently sipping water from like a, a canteen, a very fancy canteen that's being held by someone for her. And on the other side, she has somebody powdering her and spraying her hair to keep it in place. Like she's like in hair and makeup right now um, before she uh, will, you know, put on her flight goggles and all of that for the match. She looks totally calm, almost bored um, and totally unaffected by the number of people screaming and chanting around her. Cool. And Braith, what does Braith look like? Um, Braith is securing and resecuring some of the armor he wears on his arms and also um, stretching because stretching is really important. Um, and honestly, just trying to not pay attention to the crowd. Excellent. And finally, like this, the screen will split back into thirds and we zip in on uh, the last matchup, which is June and TJ Spicy Brewster. What does TJ look like? Um, TJ is going to be flying the uh, on the defensive for this Tengu Dory. Cool. I imagine uh, that while they usually fly gyre falcons uh, for Tengu Dory's I think it's a swan. I think it's like this beautiful white silvery swan um, that I don't think anybody in the in the school has like their own bird. I think it's just kind of it's like TIE fighters like you never there's no personal TIE fighter that you fly in the Empire. It's one of those things where like it's just a bird that you ride. Um, so, like, they probably don't even know the names of these birds. But TJ <laughs> is, st- is standing there on the sidelines. Um, he has neon orange paint on. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he is... Uh, he turn- he's, like, he's turned to the crowd, and he's yelling and screaming. And he's, like, pumping his, his, his fists in the air. Um, and he raises one hand and, like, firework... Like a, like a, a fountain of fireworks go off on one side of him and he does the other side and it's another fountain of fireworks. And there's there's a man, uh, there's, there's obviously a family just like two rows away in the bleachers that is obviously TJ's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like 15 of them. Wow. So there's like, it's this giant family that's all there. Um, there's a man who is the spitting image of TJ, but just in his late 40s, um, well, like with a beard, but he has like the same hairstyle and he's got the same paint on. Uh, and TJ is basically hyping himself up uh, in front of the crowd. Yeah, I think the crowd is, is chanting TJ's chant right now, which goes, turn up the heat, turn up. The heat. Yeah, and like the crowd is just absolutely bananas wild over this. 
What does June look like, uh, you know, faced against all of this? June looks concerned, but not in a frightened way. June is watching sort of her teammates out of like one corner of her eye and then switching her focus to the crowd and the energy that they're throwing and then looking across at the rival team and this kid TJ really just going for it before anything has even started or happened and she takes a second to reflect on that and then kind of reaches down and puts her hand into the feathers of the Saker Falcon um, from where she sits in the saddle and just like reconnects with the warmth of the bird and uh, the feel of the feathers in, under her hand and just kind of like goes inward with it and and reaches out not not to to do anything or even to say anything but just to physically reconnect with the bird and feel the sacred falcon like acknowledge that she's there it, even though the noise around them is so intense and the energy is so bizarre compared to what they're used to she just goes inward and reaches down with that yeah, I think there is not a full-on like glint of, of uh, gold glow to denote the connection, but like there's just like a little spark uh, to show that it could be there at any time. And then we cut to like again the the screen is divided into thirds, and the horns that signal the beginning of the match all blare at the same time. And I will now draw three cards from the match deck and we add them together and you have below 12, it looks like right now. Um, uh, you actually have 11. Um, so that means you lose momentum. It means that your rivals are like more prepared or more in the zone, which is not a huge deal, but it does mean as ties come up during the match, they will go to your competitors. So on a loss, the player with the lowest card uh, describes why the rival team is advantage. Uh, and I will just, I, I drew a six, a four and a one. Um, so I am going to say... June, because you were the, the last one to go, like, how is it that uh, you are at disadvantage here? Can it be that the disadvantage is that June is not as aware of the circumstantial surroundings as she should be going into a match like this? That, like, by trying to focus internally and reconnect with the bird, that she is not as aware of how this is supposed to start. And that's where her disadvantage comes in. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, so with that, we have completed opening moves, which is our first match game. I would like to start uh, with Braith's match. So doing that, I am going to put full tilt here uh, on this array. Basically, the way this works, you are going to get three different match games, potential match games uh, that you're going to be able to play um, and you'll get to choose. But you can also at any time choose to play full tilt instead. So the way this works with this match game selected, you we will read the setup. Why are you off your game? Uh, and choose a suit to represent you being off your game above the general match board here uh you can see the four different suits that are in this uh they are energy prowess 
focus and connection. So energy is like, you know, really how much energy you have in this competition. Uh, Prowess is skill. Focus is your ability to like tap into the mental game and uh, like have a goal in mind. And connection is the connection between you and your teammates uh, that allows you to, you know, perform. So Braith is a little off his game right now because he he's realizing that he is participating in possibly the the match that will have the most contact with another person. And one of his weaknesses is predicting the movements of anyone other than himself. Yeah, this feels like a prowess thing then. Yeah, because like literally this is the uh, training thing that we established as a struggle for you. Yeah. That's that's excellent. So um, that's the first. Uh, how are you seeing your playing change? Uh, who instantly notices? So one of the things that we can do with these match games and whatnot is points move back and forth, but they're kind of abstract. And in a joust itself, there would be more than one clash between you and your opponent. So you can like take a hit early on and it won't matter for for the overall um, if it's just part of your description. Also, the way jousting works for mounted jousts, too, is you're getting scored on the force and impact of your hits, not necessarily on the number of your hits. Uh, so you can, like, uh, take a bunch of hits and then do a big one and still win. Um, so with all that in mind, like, please describe um like the moment of you being off your game and how your opponent uh, and Allie describe how uh, Braith's opponent notices. Does it have to be his opponent? Um, it does say, well, I, actually it doesn't. It says who instantly notices. So that could be anyone. Um, so, and you are the person answering those questions. So um, um, I want it to be Torkoshi and I want there to be a coaching moment. Oh, cool. Cool. So uh, then first, Mel, I would love for you to describe like things going wrong in, in your first pass, your first tilt. So can we just to make sure I understand what I, I know it's like a traditional joust, but what is guiding their path, their trajectories, or do they just kind of fly out and meet in the middle? And so I think because this is not like this isn't the free form uh, mounted joust that we saw in Bougenith, Uh The way this one will work is uh, each opponent will start on a perch. Uh, you pass each other once without hitting each other and move in circles. And when you finish your circles, you like come back into a clash. Okay. Um, so like there's the initial pass and then the clash. Uh, and after the clash, you return to your perches and, you know, you, you get signaled in to do it again. Okay. Um, on the first pass, uh, I, I feel like we can be sure that Rebecca is, you know, giving her best smile and like just really throwing a sass face at Braith. And I think Braith is a little too far into his head, doesn't even acknowledge her and just kind of makes that first pass. And as they come around, he's like, his main focus is how do I do this without getting hurt? I have to think about how to do this as well as I can without hurting myself because if i hurt myself i hurt other people yeah there's your guilt coming into it too yep. oh i love that can i ask a question real quick about 
about the, the, the joust. I'm just sure. trying to picture it. Uh, so when they take off, they pass each other. Uh, they do circles. Do they do um, a clash on every time they come down in a circle as they come down? Uh, so what happens with uh, the clash? Like, I, I suppose if both opponents miss, um, you will do another circle and then come together. But the expectation is like you pass each other once, like you're on opposite ends of this arena. You take mm-hmm. off, pass each other, do a circle and then come back into a clash. So um, one clash per takeoff. Yes, one clash per takeoff, unless cool. you both miss. Cool, cool. So it's it's a lot of posturing until you get to the point where you know that you can definitely make a clash. Yeah. Cool, cool. I just wanted to, I was trying to picture it. So, so like, I mean, like, you are definitely, like, the expectation is that you are definitely going to clash. Uh, mm-hmm after the first circle. So like the only posturing that takes place is like that initial pass where you are flying past each other, trying to build up speed and trajectory. Cool. Cool. Brace kind of, uh, while they're going through the first circle around after passing by, uh, Rebecca just kind of like takes a second to put his hand on squalls feathers, give it a little rub and say, all right, let's do this. And um, I, I assume I have like a big pole. What do they call it? A lance. A lance. Thanks. It's been a while. Since it's I've called been a lance. Oh, sorry. Hello. So he hucks up the lance into the right position, pulls his shield just a tiny bit tighter, and uh, squall upon making a sharp bank to the left in order to begin the first clash, lets out a large scree and starts small dive to pick up a lot of speed and they go directly for each other. I think Rebecca, with all of her experience as an old hand, gets a decent hit on Braith. I think Braith just kind of, he hits, but it dances off. Uh, yeah, it feels to me like there is a moment, uh, based on your description thus far, where Braith flinches yeah. away uh, and that causes him to take more of a hit. Yep. Um, so, like, you take the hit. Uh, it does not hurt as much as you thought it was. It's more jarring and startling than anything else, and that's because of the armor that you're wearing. Mm. But, like, you land, and Drew, I, I think, like, the team can be, like, your coach is definitely there, but I feel like the team captains also have the right uh, to be up on the perch, Um so, like, you, you land back onto the perch, and Drew, I'll let you take over. Uh, we see Braith land. Braith, what does your face look like as as we see Torokoshi kind of jump up onto the perch to, like, talk to you? It It's pretty obvious straight away that Braith is mad at himself for getting too far into his head. He's a little red in the face, not, like, crying, but clearly upset and, like, in his head. The uh, thing that I would like is anime style. Torikoshi, you are watching this from like the position in the crowd where you are allowed to watch um, and standing next to Valkyrie um, and anime style. You narrate what you see happening like, <laughs> oh, look at him go. He's going into a double helix dive. I haven't seen that. in gosh, not since you flew, coach. It's a great way to build speed. A beautiful way to build speed, but it's dangerous. If he's going to go that fast, 
he's not going to be able to. And we see the the clash of them hit and Rebecca get that solid hit and like the, the breaking of a lance. We see the shatter of it and the, the glancing blow that happens uh, through Braith. I knew it. That much speed. And Rebecca, she's so precise. <sighs> What's your diagnosis? Well, and we see uh, Torikoshi kind of mind palace it, where we see the the little birds in like anime-esque chibi fashion as they like line, like do their flight as he checks the trajectories and stuff. And as we see them like clash, there's a, there's a little, like a little explosion happens in the chibi moment. He goes, that's what he's got to do. He's got to be slower. So now the rival team draws one card and answers a headway or setback question to set up the moment. So that was the first pass. On the second pass, we have Rebecca Crisp basically seizing on the uh, momentum that she had in the first pass. Um, she can see that uh, her opponent is off his game or afraid to like lean in the way he needs to lean in. Although he was moving faster than her in the dive, she's the one that had the bigger hit. Um, and the headway question is, who do you rely on for help? And I think in this moment, Rebecca is relying on her bird in that, like she knows that her opponent like Braith on Squall moves faster. This Kingfisher is just able to dive so much faster uh, than her, her Gyre Falcon. And the result is that like he should be able to make bigger hits. However, something is freaking out her opponent. So she relies on her bird to kind of lean into the intimidation factor that her opponent is feeling and on the second pass gets another solid hit in because she is making it so that her falcon is intimidating squall along with her intimidating braith it results in another hit so now we come to the decision that mel has to make you can either ignore being off your game and push through it or you can ask a teammate for help. Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask a teammate for help. Cool. So we go to the moment that we set up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we see Torikoshi up there on the perch with Braith. He's looking over the shield. And uh, he, sh he turns the, the shield around. And he goes, do you remember how we were talking about reading scratch marks uh, off, based off of hits? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's not like a... a beginner thing at all it's it's pretty advanced but he points out did how where the lance struck and how it glanced and where it broke and he as he's showing he goes what's happening here what this is telling me is that she's using your strengths against you what do you mean braith you're fast you're the speedster i've never seen anybody go as fast as you go but it's not about being the fastest out there it's about being precise. It's about being beautiful. Don't go as fast. It's going to take all of your your willpower to not do it, I know. But try. Okay. Okay. Go yeah. slow. Go slow. Okay. Sky Joust. 
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll! Heroes, this is the first week of our 2023 one-shot Patreon drive. We're looking to have a lot of new and upgrading patrons so that we can continue making the shows that you love. Now, we haven't run a Patreon drive in years. I think I already explained in a previous mid-roll that we didn't run one because we didn't want to do one during the pandemic, and then the pandemic never stopped, and now we're here. But because it's been so long, you might not know what a Patreon drive looks like here at OneShot. Basically, it breaks down to a lot more live streams and us putting together bonus content to incentivize people signing up. We've already run a few of these streams, but don't worry, there are more on the way, and everything that we've run is up for video on demand on Twitch. Coming up on Thursday at 8 p.m. Central, I'm going to be sitting down with Gian Shim, playtesting their new game, The Snow Queen. Then on Friday, Ali Grauer, Mel D'Amato, and Agatha Cheng from Asians Represent are going to be playing some Monster Prom on stream. Then this Saturday, May 20th, at 12 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be sitting down with a cast of Skyjacks, and we're going to be playing some Jackbox games. I would love to hang out in the chat with everybody to do that. On the 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern, Liz Anderson, Aaron Rain from Mystery County Monster Hunters Club, and Nathan Blades are going to be playing more Jackbox on the Twitch stream. And then May 30th, I'm going to be sitting down to do a ludicrous event with Tyler Davis, Tyler Samples from Mystery County, Jeff Murdoch from Mystery County, and Jeff Aldrich from System Mastery. I have no idea what the event is going to be. I do know it's going to be about the fact that we've got two Tylers and two Jeffs. That's all I've figured out. You can watch all of that at twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. And be sure to watch my Twitter page for updates about our events. But let's talk about what we're doing with this drive. Folks, we've got some big goals and we've got some exciting incentives to help us reach those goals. The first goal that we're after is $7,000 a month. And if we hit that, we're going to put the first episodes of Star Wall Odyssey, the Patreon exclusive campaign that we're running with the prototype Skyjacks RPG system, up on a public feed so anyone can enjoy it. I am very happy to say that our one-shot patrons have always been really excited to take paywalled content and make it public, so I am hoping everyone jumps on board for that. Then, if we hit $7,500 a month, we will commit to putting the full first season of Star Wall Odyssey up on a public feed for anyone to enjoy once the first season finishes on the Patreon feed, as we are still in the middle of the first season, though we have started recording season two. And along with that, we will post the first unreleased episode of Campaign Star Wars. For those that don't know, our Star Wars campaign had to wrap up unexpectedly. And although we finished it on a bottle episode, we had actually recorded some past that. Those episodes are being edited and will be released when we hit our goals. But the big goal that I am pushing for is $8,500 a month. If we get to $8,500 a month, then, in a way, nothing changes. That is the goal that we need to reach for everything on the network to be sustainable giving much of our current staff a pay increase, and allowing us to release episodes on the same schedule we always have been. Now, if we can't hit $8,500 a month, I'm going to need to cut back somewhere. I might be able to find that money in other places, but if we're put into a corner, we may have to take Skyjacks back from a weekly show to a bi-weekly show. I don't want to have to do that, and I know you don't want us to have to do that. So if you are listening and you love this show, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to support us. 
There's so much amazing stuff that you'll get if you sign up. Uh, one of those things is at the $5 level, we've released an original micro game co-designed by myself and Tracy Barnett that is based on Skyjacks. It's called Featherfall. It's a solo journaling RPG where you detail the story of a feather that was cut away from an angel as it was cast down from heaven. But the game calls for you to draw and detail the story of that feather and then share it with people. I'm really excited to see these because I want to know all of the different stories and legends around Angel Feathers on Sphere. And you get that for signing up for $5 a month, along with all of the bonus content that we've created for Skyjacks. It's a really good deal and a really great time to sign up. A huge thank you to all of our current backers on Patreon and everyone who is about to sign up. We sincerely would not be able to make this show without you. Now then, now then, a quick word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And let's get jousting. Sky Joust. All right. So in this moment, we are going to draw two cards for Braith. All right. These are both great. <laughs> um, uh, and either one of these is going to beat your opponent uh, because the card that we drew for Rebecca was a one. Um, but it sounds to me like the suit, uh, that solves this situation is focus. So I, uh, like, I would recommend, you can also use energy for this because it was after all about, uh, Braith speed. Oh my God. It was after all about Braith speed. Um, I am going to make these cards big so you can read them, but because you're going to win this no matter what based on the numbers that you pulled i feel like you should read the headway yeah um, and choose the one that you like yeah i think uh I, yeah i agree the focus card how do you cleanly counter their attack um this is a really got good opportunity for braith to obviously apply the suggestion he got from torikoshi you can see him getting ready for the next clash getting back up onto squall and thinking and just kind of like you know, you see him stretching a little bit, um, shaking his head and looking at the field and thinking about the last clash and how it went. But this is saying, how do I cleanly counter their attack? So um, they take off for the next clash, make a pass, but except this time, Braith looks Rebecca right in the eyeballs with determination and grit, no longer completely in his head. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He needs to slow down and think, at least not as much as before. Um, he makes the pass. He makes the turn. He makes the final bank into the clash, doesn't do the drop he did before, maintains speed and shoulders his lance and looks at Rebecca, looks at the way she's holding her shield, realizes that there is a specific point on the shield where 
it droops a little, like her arm isn't holding it perfectly, and it's pretty obvious that she's gotten really comfortable with the situation and doesn't realize that Braith is ready. He can see that she is lining up her shot, and on the clash, that because they're not going too fast, he makes a minor adjustment to where they are uh, and like kind of banks to the side a little bit, causing her lance to glance off and not break and his to smash through. This is the polar opposite that we were seeing of Braith in training where he would hit the target, but then immediately get smacked by like the hazard flashing between those scenes. Slowly, Rebecca is becoming the target that Braith was struggling with in training. And then you make contact, but also like tilt. And we can see how Rebecca's uh, lance sails past yours and yours connects directly with the armor on her chest and explodes. And then we can see uh, puffing up from the jars full of sand on the ground, we can see it is an enormous hit and the crowd is going wild. Uh, So that match game is resolved. We still have a match moment for Braith. Match moments can also serve your allies. They can serve your allies by um, uh, you establishing troubles and whatnot for them. So uh, just an important thing to keep in mind. I I know what team moment I would like. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I think Braith lands with Squall and he hops off and runs over and just runs up to Torikoshi and like, like body slam hugs him and says, hey, man, thank you so much for that. Uh, I, I really needed your help. Torakoshi like intercepts him. Uh, so like it's one of the, uh, we see Torakoshi beaming uh, at this massive hit that that Braith Braith did, and Torakoshi actually picks Braith up and like twirls him around and gives him like a big hug as he sets him down. This huge smile on his face as he says that, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, of course, we're gonna make a jester out of you yet." And he like slightly punches him uh, on the shoulder. And, and of course, Braith runs over to June too. And Yeah, yeah I think they, they like clack their bracers, their <sighs> flight gauntlets or whatever they've got on these gloves. They like clack their forearms together and there's a lot of, yeah, they're they're stoked. Everybody's stoked yeah. that that worked. And, and Braith to the side kind of pulls June in for a second and says, hey, if he's got a suggestion for you, take it because Torikoshi's the reason I just won that. Yeah, that, that looks like it worked uh, really well. Heck yeah. All right, and everybody remember you still have troubles, uh, and you can establish this at any point. Okay, yeah. Um, this is interesting. Looking at Torikoshi's trait losing streak, you've mm-hmm. always been a standout player, but recently your performances fell short of expectations. It's a big risk to adopt a new style, but can you back get back on top without uh, changing? Who believes you should evolve? And uh, what does your current style of play mean to you? Where do you go when you are most unsure of yourself? A lot of this seems like it is also built into new team captain. Mm-hmm. In the thing that you've been struggling with is not that uh, like you're struggling with with the jousting that you're good at. It's that being the captain has like really interfered with your training. 
the, and I'll put this completely in your hands. Would you like to uh, say that uh, you have resolved a part of this trait story with uh, the scene that you had with Braith? Or do you feel like there's still more meat on that bone of uh, being on your losing streak? I think there's a little bit more meat to it. Uh, I think that Torokoshi, while he's become more confident in being a coach, like in this moment where he has given Braith this great advice and it's worked, like he's feeling really confident about this. But he has, like you said, he's neglected a bit of his training in just being a player. Uh, because he's spending all of his time mm. coaching okay. these two to be from to go from basically having never really joust before to being like, we're going to go into the semifinals here. It's going to be great. Sure. Sure. Cool. All right. Then I would like to turn over to Allie for Allie's match game. Allie, this is your lineup. Uh, of match games that you have to choose from. The Leap of Faith match game is available to you as uh, a person who is doing a Tengu Dori joust, Um, but you also can choose from Bliss, Head to Head, and Are You There? I definitely think Leap of Faith is applicable, like you said, but I'm kind of interested in Bliss because I feel like June is someone who takes things very seriously. Um, so I'd be very interested to see if we could do something with that. Bliss, you know you love this, but it doesn't always feel that way. Can you connect with joy when you play? And we'll flip the card over. So, the setup. First, you have to flash back to the last time doing something like this brought you joy. And if you need a suggestion, because this is a Tengudori joust, and Tengudori is like, physically fighting your opponent like hand to hand that could be when you were hanging out with denison yeah um there was a time during sword training with the captain on the red audron where there was a lot of long work days and high stress situations and june felt like she had stagnated in the lessons where she wasn't really learning anything knew uh, she wasn't really improving herself she felt like she had kind of not achieved everything she wanted to achieve but like she wasn't getting any better she felt compared to where the captain was trying to lead Mm -hmm. her in those sword lessons and the frustration was really getting to her and i think this flashback deals with a moment in which uh captain dennison like tricked her into having fun and by having fun in the lesson, by giving into it's fun to to engage in this combat together in this training scenario, instead of taking it seriously as though it was real, uh, that June actually gets one up on the captain and remembers that the skills have been building all along. And it, it's not like taking a test where you get one shot at a correct answer, that there are many ways to get to a victory. Oh my God. I want to do something truly disgusting and insane. Drew, I will need your permission to do this. Okay. I think the lesson that we, we, uh, in this flashback, Denison teaches June is something that he learned from a man who called himself Pablo Naruto. And this man is in fact an alias of Travis Matigo. And the lesson is what uh, we know Travis taught Jonnet. Not every fight is a sword fight and not every sword fight is a fight. 
which is a nonsense lesson. But I think the way that he is teaching this is literally uh, Takashi's bell lesson from Naruto, where he's tied. Kakashi. Kakashi. (laughs) I'm not going to be embarrassed by getting a Naruto thing wrong. Um, Kakashi has has tied, uh, 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 or Denison is like tying a bell to him and like june's objective is to remove that bell she's struggling to do it with a sword but we all know that june fights with fists yeah yeah i love that so that some at some point in denison's past he has fought with travis matigo and travis taught him this ridiculous lesson oh my gosh you know what i'm down i love it (laughs) okay um so i want to know how did this lesson become fun for June? Like turn the corner from being this frustrating exercise and failure to be something where June was able to find fun in her studies and break through to progress to the next level. I think one of the things that she had struggled up to this point with are the lessons in which Denison has her backed into such a corner that she has to allow herself to become disarmed, that she sees that as a failure every time, and that he's trying to instill in her the knowledge that sometimes you have to allow your opponent to disarm you in order to defeat them, that there is another way past that moment, that that's not the end of the fight. And June has really struggled with that. In this bell lesson, June suddenly sees a moment in which If she allows Denison to disarm her, like to literally clack the sword out of her hand and knock her off balance with a lunge that he does, that she can fall to the ground and physically remove the bell with her hands. And in seeing that moment, she suddenly realizes what he's been trying to say about problem solving and about creativity and not just seeing it as a very binary choice of sword in hand, sword use, tool good, defeat opponent. And so she allows him to disarm her with this lunge. She hits the deck and as he lunges, like follows through with this lunge, she clambers around him and grabs the bell off of the back of his belt with her bare hands. And there's a moment where they look at each other on the deck in this flashback. And then he throws his head back and laughs. And then June starts laughing hysterically. And he's like, do it again. And then they they do the bell exercise again. And she has to find new ways to uh, either distract or faint or whatever to creatively acquire the bell off of his person without using actually using the sword and it turns into a fun game that they start playing yeah uh so so then we move on to the next part of this which is why do you struggle to capture that feeling and how do you try to connect with it um and the way that that i think really the best way to frame this ally is to describe like Again, the first uh, pass on this Tengu Dori not going well. Now, unlike a mounted joust, the way Tengu Dori operates is like you still have technical rounds. I think in this one or the rules for this quarterfinal in this arena uh, are that you get uh, one attempt essentially before having to land and um, uh, return to perch. 
uh, basically the birds fly around each other and the aggressor, um, who would be June in this case, who is on the smaller bird, will try to leap off their bird onto the defender's bird. And you have a minute and 30 seconds to like have a fight, essentially. And you have to, in that time, deliver your hits uh, and then leap off to return to your bird to return to perch before you begin the next part of it. And I think the first like attempt in this Tengu Dory probably doesn't go the way you want it to. And or maybe even the first couple, honestly, because Tengu Dory, you can probably have a ton of different uh, attempts, especially if they're low scoring. Um, so, yeah, Ali, I I'd just like you to describe that not going uh, well or going in a frustrating way for, for June. Okay, so I think June is coming into this match against TJ Spicy Brewster with a preconceived notion of how she thinks TJ Spicy Brewster is going to fight or defend himself. And I think the first pass is June really assuming that even though she is the aggressor, uh, he is the stronger of the two of them. Um, and so I think she is coming into it on, on the offensive already thinking that she's going to actually have to defend herself. And ah. as a result, I think it, it comes across as she's not locked into her decision. Like she comes in hot as an aggressor. And then at the last second, like changes tack to try to like be defensive with one hand and it it doesn't work and he he i think tj spicy brewster is laughing about it yeah i kind of the interjection that i would make especially because of what you described i like the idea of tj fighting with two buckler shields instead of like uh any kind of sword or anything so june like leaping off the bird uh rolling onto the swan and like climbing into the defensive arena like you are braced and ready to defend yourself and tj is i think like in a kneeling position um with these two bucklers like strapped onto his arms and he is uh, like his bird banks and like wind passes over the two of you and he is waiting for you to come and attack him. And it probably takes you a little bit to realize that's what it is. Um, and by the time you begin your assault, it's already eaten up a bunch of your off bird time. Yeah. And that's why he ends up laughing at you. Because it's it's a waste of the time and I'm I'm losing whatever advantage or momentum I might have in the situation. And he can see that right off the bat that's great that's you're struggling to capture that feeling it looks like because you're making assumptions about your opponent and about how this competition is supposed to work uh that are frustrating you and and not panning out um the second question is how do you try and connect with it after two passes of june totally whiffing that time and not get not even getting close to actually getting a hit in on him um that third pass let's say she attempts to go for it as though it's the beginning of the match and so she like that third that third uh attempt she sort of tries to clear her head and go okay i'm just gonna start over start over 
he's on the defense, I'm on the offense, I'm going to go for it. And she she tries uh, the way she would have tried in a lesson with Dennison and goes in to attack him whole hog without without thinking about what he could or should be doing. Cool. So like that that that's your attempt at capturing it. Um then uh like it says how do you try to connect with it? I like the idea especially because there is a little bit more to this. Um does like why does that not quite work with June? Like what what what, what still isn't connecting through this? I think my my knee jerk reaction is that it has to do with the fact that she has yet to see any kind of redeeming quality about TJ Spicy Brewster. Um, she doesn't really know him. He doesn't really know her. That's fine. She's dealt with people who were bullies before. She's dealt with people who wanted to get under her skin before. Um, sometimes she, they've they've done that, and she's allowed it, and whatever. But so far. She doesn't really know how to deal with the idea that she is just another one of TJ Spicy Brewster's potential faceless uh, rivals in in this sport. And she, like when she when she fights with Dennison, she knows deep down that Dennison sees her potential and knows her personally and cares about her. Um and. I mean, that's even been true with Braith in in different situations um, and her other friends and colleagues from the Red Audrin, that this is the first time that she's engaged in a, a competition with someone who doesn't know her, doesn't care about her, and will forget her as soon as this is over. And she's trying to figure out what the point of that is. Like, she's, I think she's, I think she's so used to the community of her upbringing and her her origins in Thornvale and in the courier service that removing that community and making it purely competitive is so foreign to her. That's so fascinating. Like, yeah, you clash with Fenton, but you care about Fenton and Fenton yep, cares yeah. about you and you feed off of that. That's absolutely fascinating. Okay, so now we come to the third uh, aspect of this, which is you ask a teammate do you feel the joy of this right now? Um, and that teammate gives an answer. So um, who is who are you the player or is June the character going to ask, like, do you feel the joy of this right now? Um, Especially with the ideas of, like, the manga descriptions and the anime shots in mind, I feel like June has to ask Torikoshi. I see a river and I want to sail If there's a victory, you know I will find it Never been the type who is happy to fail A million miles from my front door There's things that are worth fighting for But nothing's gonna stop me, friend or foe When it's all we know Here we go, rising higher and farther Only far and up in the sky When we fly, when we're flying We're ready to try to only do a show When it's all Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. 
Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. <laughs>